This is Chris Shelton, your host. Thank you very much for inviting me into your home this week. And we are going to get right to it this week. This is going to be one of those shows. And this is about humanism and uh, or secular humanism, as it is sometimes referred to. And as you can find a whole Wikipedia article about, which I'm going to read a little bit from. So as to clarify this, and then we're going to get to my guest, Mark Turi. Hey, Mark, just going to welcome you to the show real fast. Hey, Chris. How's, uh, how's everything in Denver? It's awesome, of course. Uh, the, the heat wave is, has, 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 my, has gone mm-hmm. mild for the last few days, which has been an incredible relief for us because it was d- yep. triple-digit numbers for a while, temperature-wise. How, yeah, how too. has it been <laughs> in Hungary where you are? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, last week was 100-plus uh, uh, oh. Fahrenheit, so 40, 42 degrees Celsius, which is unseasonably warm. Um, but it's I live in a very beautiful city. And uh, so far, it's been pretty cool. Actually, it's been in the in the high 80s, you know, low 90s. And so that's been a relief, at least weather wise. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of getting the idea that we're that this is something we're supposed to maybe be thinking about getting used to. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, You know, climate change. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hello. It was real. It was real the whole time. We weren't kidding. Yeah. You know, surprise. (laughs) Yeah, surprise. Uh, Okay. Well, today we're going to talk about, uh, like I said, humanism. And what do I mean by this? What are we talking about? And is. Is it a cult? Is it a belief set? Is it a philosophy? What are what what is this? What do people do with it? How does how do humanists behave? You know, are they Satanists? What are we talking about? Right? That's, some people think so. And that's what I actually first wanted to help clear up a little bit. And this is this is a term that is um, got a lot of weird ideas connected with it out there in religious communities around the United States, maybe around the world. And so I'm going to read a little bit here from the, uh, just straight off from the Wikipedia page about this. And then we'll, this with, with this kind of clear, we'll then get into why we're talking about this today. Because <laughs> um, Mark has had some ups and downs experiences with people involved in the secular community. And that was the, that was the a, a launch point for us talking about uh, hey, maybe we should do a show about this because, you know, we talk an awful lot about the negative effects and repercussions and consequences of extremist religious belief. And there mm-hmm. are lots and lots of those. There's yeah. a lot of very good reasons to be concerned about people who get extremist when it comes to a God belief or a moral system or, you know, how they think they should go about enforcing those moral systems on people who don't share their beliefs. This is a raging controversy in the United States right now with the whole abortion issue. That all being said, there is another a problem with the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> As with spectrums, you have extremism on both ends. And here we can talk about not humanism as an extremist subject, because it's not inherently that. But that doesn't mean you won't find people who take it to an extreme level or degree and try to do the same kind of stuff that you see people doing in extremist religious circles. And that's unfortunately Mm -hmm. what 
Mark has had some negative experiences with, and I have had my share of that as well on and offline uh, with the atheist community, so-called. And I'm not anti-atheist in any way as a philosophy or, or idea set because I am an atheist, but I'm also a humanist. And the, and the truth is that humanist is it's the only label I have that I'm actually proud to call myself. And so what am I talking about? Well, let's clarify this first, and then we'll get into our conversation. So humanism or secular humanism is a philosophy, belief system, or life stance that embraces human reason, secular ethics, and philosophical naturalism while specifically rejecting religious dogma, supernaturalism, and superstition as the basis of morality uh, and decision-making. <clears throat> Specifically here, humanism posits that human beings are capable of being ethical and moral without religion or belief in a deity. And that is absolutely positively where I live. I do not believe that you have to have a higher power or authority figure or threat uh, you know, over your head all the time in order to be a good person. And I reject the idea that that that's necessary for everybody. Although I will agree that there are some people who seem to need that level of threat and control in order to get themselves to toe the line, follow laws, keep their discipline in as individuals to not shoplift, steal, beat up people, whatever they, yeah. for whatever reason, people, some people need that. And so I don't eschew the whole concept that, some people need that, and they call that religion and morality, and they that's how they were raised, and that's how they think, and I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. But to think that that's required for everybody or that this is a universal trait of human beings and that we are all you know, lesser creatures under a, an angry deity who wants us to behave or act the way you know, he or she wants, I, I, I reject that entire mindset. I, I can't go there. So mm -hmm. that's that's where my humanism sort of expresses itself. And um, it also goes on to say, and this is just, this is, I'm reading from this Wikipedia page because it's such a perfect description of where I'm at and what we're going to talk mm -hmm. about today. Uh, humanism does not, however, assume that humans are either inherently good or evil, nor does it present humans as being superior to nature. <clears throat> Rather, the humanist life stance emphasizes the unique responsibility facing humanity and the ethical consequences of human decisions. Hear me talk about that all the time with critical thinking and unintended mm -hmm. consequences and things like that. Fundamental to the concept of secular humanism is the strongly held viewpoint that ideology, be it religious or political, must be thoroughly examined by each individual and not simply accepted or rejected on faith. And if there is a central message to my channel, I would say that's it. So again, this totally lines up with everything I'm trying to do. So enough reading from Wikipedia. Mark, what has been your experience? Because you had a, you, you and I know each other because we've met online. You had a Scientology experience at one point in your life. You were a staff member for a church. You got out of that. You got into the secular world. Now you have a slightly different ideas. Do you want to describe quickly your background yeah. here? The first thing is, um, 
the like you say when you're talking about humanism being like the word and the ism that really is something that like defines what you believe for me the word is actually pluralism and i might sound a little pretentious at times i get it my whole idea now that I've come to believe is that everything I've kind of gone through, because I've studied a lot of different religions and secular groups, each of them have something to contribute to whatever truth is. And so the idea is multiple sources, multiple ideas, and multiple points of knowledge lead to whatever truth is. So for me, you know, what did I learn in Scientology? I also studied Buddhism just before I was a Scientologist. Uh, I'm Jewish and, and I, I do go to synagogue. I'm sort of, you know, not a, you know, I'm not Orthodox and I wouldn't be that because it's not my personal preference. But I look at different belief systems, whatever they are, secular, religious, philosophical, political. I mentioned to you before, Chris, I used to be very much a libertarian. I'm not that anymore. So like, what did I learn from each of these things? And like in life, some things are positive and some things are negative, but they've all contributed to something, you know, right? To something of which I am today. And by the way, not just me, I think everyone in the world has a similar experience, but I just put that into a different worldview of pluralism, which is just different sources, multiple sources leading to some kind of truth. So for me, when it comes to humanism, I think I've always been, at least since I was um, in my early 20s and late teens, someone that was more influenced by religious humanism rather than secular humanism. Religious humanism is very simply, very humanistic worldview, but believing that religious rituals and certain religious practices and traditions do have a meaning for some people. And religious humanism does predate secular humanism by about a century. And the whole idea behind religious humanism was that people from multiple religious and non-religious backgrounds got together in the United States and certain places in the late 19th century, mid 19th century. And they tried to focus on the things they had in common rather than the differences, right? They weren't going to believe the same things about God, afterlife, salvation, prayer, baptism, whatever, dietary restrictions. But what, like, what did they, what could they agree on? And a lot of it was just focusing on people and improving the conditions of human beings regardless of their faith or having no faith or whatever. And so that led to religious humanism, very influenced in the Unitarian congregations, ethical culture society, and also today very much influenced in what are called liberal religions. So Reformed Judaism, Reconstructionist Judaism, many Christian churches, particularly in cities, um, everything from Anglicans, Episcopalians, Congregationalists, there's a long line of this, okay, Catholics even to some extent. Um, and so for me, that that's influenced me probably more than secular humanism. But I went, I like experiences. And so when I left Scientology, like many people, I started to learn about critical thinking. I started to learn about secularism. This was 2009, 2010. Um, and I got in, I got involved. I got involved with CFI because they let us speak. You know, they, they, the they gave us a inquiry? forum. Center for Inquiry, which yeah. actually you and I met, Chris. Yes. Uh, a few years back. That's right. You know, they, they 
give ex members, ex cult members, a platform to speak, which is which, and other organizations do it. But the first one to give me a platform to speak was Center for Inquiry, um, and I just started to develop some relationships there. I don't necessarily think I've ever identified as an, an atheist or humanist, but after the many years of experience that I've taken from th that side of whatever you want to call it, you know, science, uh, the philosophy, secular philosophy, et cetera, I've sort of come to the, to the agreement that, you know, people should not be discriminated based on what they don't believe in. Just because someone lacks belief in God, they, you know, they shouldn't be told they're going to hell or that they're bad people or they can't be trusted. So the discriminatory kind of aspects that are put on secular people, specifically by conservative religious Christians, you know, in the United States, I've learned personally that there are, you know, people like yourself, an atheist and a humanist, who what I would trust more than a ton, like more than a lot of evangelical Christians, mm -hmm. you know, I would put my, I would put my life in your hands, Chris, rather than someone like Pat Robertson, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yes, I would um, have to agree uh, with you, you on know that. What I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> or, or, you know, name the, the person, the moral majority people or whatever, right. like the, the anti-abortion, whatever. Um, so for me, it comes down to a human side. It comes down to human relationships. And again, morality in this case, for me is coming from the different experiences that I've had and what have I learned? And some of it is just not good. And some of it has been more pragmatic for me. And, and I think that, you know, the humanism, even though I don't identify as one, I would say that the religious side of humanism is definitely, again, something that's influenced me and the secular humanism, the secular side of things, um, was very interesting. I'll put it that way. It really helped me think differently about um, things like anger and resentment and hurt that can come with a religious experience like what I and you and I experienced in Scientology, mm -hmm. but that at some point, you've got to do something very constructive and deal with those things in ways that sometimes these groups, they don't actually, they might make the situation worse rather than better. Right. And I think that's, that's the problem. I don't have any problems with these groups existing or, you know, officiating weddings or doing whatever they want in a practical sense. You're talking about it's secular, that, talking about secular. That's what I'm here. saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have no yeah. problem with humanist groups. I have no problem with atheist groups. I have no problem. Everyone has the right to assemble, you know, uh, free speech, freedom of assembly. It's just that sometimes there's these emotions that come up and that they're exploited in some reason and they fester. And that's the stuff that I couldn't get on board with. And that's what I saw as something being in old, our old Scientology where we would say an outpoint. Yeah, right. That to me was kind of something that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get past. And so that's probably why I've, you know, sort of, uh, discontinued my volunteering or affiliation for at least the past maybe year-ish was because of that idea that to me, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of resentment. And I, I don't know, maybe I just reacted to it negatively, but I think moving on from that would be better than holding on to that, which is what I think the particular groups that I have a, had affiliation with, 
I believe that they held on too much and it was unhealthy. I guess that's the idea. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I, to maybe put this another way for the audience or to describe, you know, what we're talking about here. Um, because I, I will speak from my own experience as well, sure. right? You and I both had a similar experience separately, geographically. But uh, coming out of Scientology, you know, uh, which mm-hmm. is a which is definitely an extremist belief set. It is very dictatorial. Um, it's a totalist belief set. It's all or nothing with these groups, right? And this is this is certainly that way with lots of religious groups. Um, you know, it's not kind of a half in, half out, take it or leave it kind of a thing. And, um, and we can certainly say that's true for Scientology. So you come out of a situation like that and you go, whoa, 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 what the hell just, you know, what, what just happened to me? What was that all about? You're looking for community. You're looking for some support. I found it immediately in the secular skeptical community, uh, through a meetup, you know, skeptics drinking skeptically was the group that was together in Minnesota that I first connected with. Uh, which was literally just once a month meeting at a pub or at a at a deli or something, and we would drink and talk and eat, and that was it. It was a social activity, but it was centered around the concepts of of humanism and secularism and science, and um, not you know based around you know worship or deity or faith or something like that. It was sort of an anti faith group, really, because mm-hmm. these are people who, for the most part, I came to learn myself included, uh, came to that group because they had been harmed by religion in some fashion. Their experience of it was not pleasant, positive, or fun. And Mm -hmm. uh, they were raised in maybe an authoritarian religious household. Their free will was suppressed. Uh, They were, you know, told what to think and demanded and punished for not thinking that way, not acting the way their parents or their minister or their priest or whatever wanted them to and they had a very, very negative reaction to that. And so here mm-hmm. they are in this group. And me coming out of Scientology, having had you know, decades, literally, of, of bad experiences, you know, I was welcomed with open arms. And in fact, the guy who headed the group was just almost out of his chair, you know, surprised <laughs> at the fact that an ex-Sea Org member shows up in front of him and starts mm-hmm. talking, right? He was blown away by that. So they were absolutely fascinated by the entire topic. But what I found for me, what was useful and helpful about that was, sure, unloading about Scientology and having people to talk to who who lent a sympathetic ear was priceless. There will never be anything I can do to, uh, you know, to uh, pay that back, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. That was a that was an incredibly important thing that I needed at that time. So, um, so that support, that help, that, that sympathy is there. It's, it's in these communities. And I found it again, moving here to Denver and hooking up with the secular hub, which is in fact, the place where I even met my wife. So, so those Mm -hmm. are positives. Now that all being said, right, right. There are negatives and some (laughs) of these negatives have to do with the emotional trauma and the lingering consequences of religious or spiritual abuse. And, and, and I'm not saying this to, you know, to tarnish all of religion with a black Mm -hmm. brush or something. It's not the point. The point is that in the realm of, you know, religious organized, religious organizations, abuse Mm -hmm. happens. We all know this. The fallout of that abuse 
rolls over into the secular world and that anger and that resentment and that and that trauma um, doesn't die, doesn't always die a, a, a fast death. People hold on to that and lacking resources, understanding, education, therapy, mm-hmm. right? the, which the secular community does its best to try to be a support system and help people out and provide community. And it does that. But it's not like there are therapists standing by or something like that. It doesn't exist, right? And so you can get the trope of the angry atheist. And this is, and this is right. And this is what we run into. Absolutely. Right. (laughs) So now I've described kind of the, the, the pros and the cons here in terms of this. This kind of emotional roller coaster that you can experience in going into this atheist secular world, and that mm-hmm. was your experience, my experience. So, what? Why don't you tell a little bit more about? You were up in Canada. I'm in yeah, the US, Tor- Toronto. Yeah, right. So, what happened uh, to you, or with you, or with the group you became part of there? What happened? Well, the first thing was um, I started. Um, in a in one of these peer support groups and i actually went for a very long time year or two uh, just as a regular and then from i li- when i lived in toronto in the actual city the the office of where the group was taking place was was maybe ten, a 10 minute bus ride from where i lived at the time mm-hmm. and so then i then i became a volunteer then i was the person for about a year to a year and a half that was actually doing this peer-to-peer group. And and, and what was, was that? What were you guys, you said support group. What, what, what were they doing? Yeah, basically, basically, um, I don't I don't really know if I should be even using the name, but if you want the name, it's called Living Without Religion. Okay. So it's basically a, 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 peer, a peer support group um, in Canada. And um, although they have different organ, organizers now, and so who knows, I haven't been with it for five years so who knows right sure always got to keep an open mind that maybe things have changed i don't well, know five years is a long but, time and, and it is a long change. time yeah. so exactly so i'll put it this way at, at the time um the mo i saw some patterns and again maybe this is not something that uh could be falsified but the patterns that i saw were a lot of people that came from an evangelical background or an ex-Muslim background and very much, very much former fundamentalists or former extremists. Right. And a lot of anger, a lot of resentment and a lot of disappointment. And because I am not a mental health professional, nor have I ever really run a peer support group, I personally felt I did more harm than good trying mm. to to um, give the talking points that I was supposed to give. Um, maybe there are people who can do it better. But after a year and a half, and sometimes, you know what, in Toronto, much like in, in, in Colorado, you get these horrible winters. Mm. And sometimes I would be sitting in the office, no one would come in in the middle of January when there's a snowstorm. Sometimes people would come in, one person, two people, very, very few people would show up. But the, the general idea that I got was that people were very, very angry. 
they were very, very scared, of course, to tell their family, which I understand. I, you know, I want to I want to be sympathetic. It's not just a one sided issue here. Um, and I, I just found that um, there wasn't a middle. There wasn't anything in the middle. Like I what I wanted to tell them was, OK, it could be that that, you know, this is this this idea, this group that we're a part of skepticism atheism secular humanism okay totally fine this can be for you this can be you in the future and you can be content with that and happy with that and therefore it's what you are but i what i wanted to say was you know sometimes not all religions are the same sometimes growing up in a conservative fundamentalist religion is not the same as growing up in a liberal religion and so maybe transitioning from from you know a church that is homophobic to a church that isn't because there's plenty of churches that aren't homophobic maybe that is better for you maybe a unitarian congregation is better but the problem is the party line is no all religions are bad they're whatever your experience is that's negative it's always negative you've been duped um, everyone knows that they're, that, you know, what they believe in is wrong, but they're using you. And it was just a bunch of negativity and mm. a bunch of things that are just not true, regardless of what we think about, you know, I don't, I don't know if the religion I believe in is a hundred percent true. I don't know if the concept of whatever, you know, transcendence, let's call it that is a hundred percent true with a capital T, but I do know that there's multiple ways of looking at things and that going from one extreme to the other extreme is not helpful for most people because we think of it as a 180, but it's not, it's a 360. Going from an extreme to extreme is a 360. You're in the same place. You're not any different. And your personality probably really hasn't changed too much. You're just dealing with mental health issues that someone like me or someone like a living without religion or beyond believing group or whatever, isn't really able to help you with. And so for me, there needs to be a softening of the blow. Like, you know, yeah, you grew up in a, in a terrible, horrible religion. I have absolutely so much sympathy. You know, um, I do want to say too, I know a lot of people that grew up in communist societies, right? I have family members that grew up in communist societies. My father grew up in one. He was apolitical for, for his whole life. He hated politics, right? He never voted, nothing like that. How much change do you really go through? Or does anyone really go through when you go from extreme A to extreme B? So what could soften the blow? In my opinion, and Chris, you know, if we disagree with this, it's totally okay. Yeah, yeah, but for me, it, it, it would be it would be introducing people to like comparative religion, like reading about other religions, and then having a, a little bit of time to absorb that information and after a certain period of time also including secular groups, not necessarily cutting off 100%, but introducing just different ideas so at least the person can recognize that there are different ideas out there and that there are different ways of thinking, not because they're true, but because they at least exist. So I don't know if you go from a very conservative, you know, fundamentalist Christian background, and then you do that 360, thinking that all religions are like the very specific church that someone has grown up in 
to me is not a good necessarily thing to think. I, I think that there has to be some growth and that means learning a little bit about different groups and different organizations, and then choosing the one that you feel the most comfortable with. And I think sometimes the anger and the resentment, it sort of blocks people away from that choice. If in the end though, you decide to become an atheist, as I said, I got nothing wrong. I don't think atheists are bad people. I think people have the freedom to lack belief and so forth. And so I know for a fact that there are people who choose that as their, let's call it the final, whatever, destination. I don't know, <laughs> for lack of a better term. But that's really what they are. Okay. But there are some people who aren't that way. And so introducing them to some of these harder concepts, some of these more negative concepts, in my opinion, prolong the recovery process when it could be that, that there's something else out there that they could be doing that will lead them to the same conclusion. Because, for example, if someone is peaceful and content, and content, they went from being a Christian to being an atheist, I'm all for it. But sometimes some of that negativity and the reaction to that means that maybe that person is not meant for that particular group or point of view. Maybe there's something else out there. And I think people should have the right to investigate that. And if at the end of the, investig the investigation, they say, you know what, it's actually these other groups, secular groups that I'm, I'm better fit in, you know, I I'm not going to say, no, I can't. That's, that's dictatorial. But I do believe that softening someone's blow from the one extreme to the other extreme by getting them aware that they're not being duped, that people really do, regardless of whether or not I or you believe in some of these things, they really do believe it. They have good intentions that might have bad results, but that people themselves are not out to get you, that it's not all a big lie, that it's not all a big scam. Just to soften that blow, I think it's it could help some people. I can't give a percentage. I can't give anything like that. Of course, of course. But I just think a, a decompression process, put it this way, a decompression process over a short period of time and then figuring out is are these groups, these secular groups, right for me or not? Um, and that would be basically like, do we tear off the Band-Aid or do we slowly remove it? Sure. So just, just from my experience, the slower, more progressive decrease, I don't know why I recommend it. Do I think it's better? Something like that, Chris, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I, um, yeah. I, think, you're, I think you're describing a, a part of... Um, certainly my process, my, my journey, right. In terms of education, you see me talk about education an awful lot and there's a reason for that. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. Cause I want to address sure. a little bit about what you just said there. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I don't know that it's necessarily a, a first, a first step or, mm -hmm. or, or a totality. I think yeah. that. I think that there's going to be, here's, here's how I look at it. Tell me what you think, sure. right? Here's how I think sure. about this stuff. Cause of course I'm, I'm the psych guy. I'm always in people's heads. Sure. 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 And, and I think about action patterns. I think about habits, habits die hard, mm -hmm. right? Let's put it this way. Yeah. 
old habits die hard. And when people are raised in religion, become or or anything, actually, let's just not let's just I mean, religion or not, any kind of, you know, this could apply with politics. This could apply with sports, mm -hmm. folks. I mean, I've seen people go really crazy extreme with sports, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Point is, where's your head at? Well, if your head is at an extreme place, if it's an all or nothing, if it's everything, yeah. if this is the totalist belief system, and what do I mean by that? I mean it's a total thing. It's it's all or nothing. This is your whole right. life. You're you're. I'm not saying you have to go work at the monastery or you have to go work down at the church or something, but you know those people who it's every Sunday and it's Wednesday nights and it's like reading yeah. Bible at home and it's like. Let's memorize, and it's raising the kids on the homeschooling, and it's the, it's the, you know, it's the people who really take this stuff extremely seriously. Mm -hmm. Now you get somebody like that who snaps out of that, yeah. and goes, "Whoa, wait a minute, what the hell?" Right? They have that unforgivable moral transgression that occurs, or whatever deconversion event occurs, and they are flipped out of that headspace or that belief set for whatever reason. But all the behavior patterns and the ways mm. of thinking about things and the way right. of acting in a totalist kind of way, those habits die very hard. Yeah. Because here we're talking about shoulds and ought tos and what are my, you know, what are, what makes me a good person? Well, when a person is in an extreme headspace, the way they think about themselves generally tends to be, I'm a good person because I have embraced this totality of belief, right, right. and these beliefs make me a good person well, and ensure that I'm going to go to heaven or whatever, whatever the thing is. My team's going to win. You know, We're going to be the best martial arts dojo in the in the country. It's always best, best, extreme, you know, top of the line, totalist kind of thinking here. That's what we're talking about. Mm. So if you remove the belief set on which all of that is founded, it doesn't change the habits or yeah, the idea true. that I'm a good person because I embrace the totality of this thing. And so what you tend to see and this certainly happened with me, and this is why I'm, I've been so introspective over the years about this. And even in, in, in you know, this comes up in, in even in therapy is, is you go, okay, if I'm now going to not be this evangelical or this, you know, Islamic believer or whatever, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna eschew that whole belief. I'm a good person because I, I get rid of it in total. And right. I adopt this new idea totally, right? And I yeah. and you get this idea of embracing it, right? So, um, and so they glom on to science, skepticism, mm -hmm. atheism yeah. as a new version of a totalist system for themselves, because yeah. that's how they're in the habit of having a belief. That's what a belief means to that person. Mm -hmm. And so what you're suggesting, and correctly so, is let us teach some nuance. Let us teach some, well, actually, totalism isn't necessarily the place to be. And I say, yes, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time because we need yeah. to recognize 
what we're dealing with. And we're dealing with these old habits. And they're mm-hmm. not old habits. They're current habits. Person's still doing it, you know. And you have to kind of get a little bit of awareness there. And this is where my take is on that education component is, yes, teach about mm-hmm. religions and stuff. But I think first we need to back up and mm-hmm. teach what is extremism? What is a cult? What is what is what yeah. is belief? What is faith? What are these things? How do we mm-hmm. what's a what's a more moderated way of looking at this stuff? Exactly mm-hmm. in the same vein as what you're talking yeah. about, right? I think these two things kind of go hand in hand a little bit or one follows another. I think that um, this is why I focus so much on when you get out of a cult or an extremist situation or, or a bad relationship situation. The mm-hmm. first question you really need to answer for yourself before you go looking at any other group to join or be part of. <laughs> yeah. Right. The question you got to answer for yourself is what the hell just happened to me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of my response to what you were saying there is I I don't disagree with you, but I think maybe there are more basic steps to roll out first. I I think too with Chris, if you don't, so I don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I interrupted. I apologize. I was just going to say, ideally this would be the way it would go, but I know it's not going to happen that way most of the Mm -hmm. time, but Go ahead now. What do you, what do you, again, I, I apologize if I interrupted, but um, yeah. what I was saying, we're going to say too, is sometimes I forget as well that, um, so my parents, I would say that they were believers, but they weren't religious. So I grew up in kind of like what would be described as a nominally religious household. We were blank in name only, but we didn't really attend church. Yeah. So when I started discovering religion, I was an adult. So I kind of, don't know what it's like to be forced to go to church on Sunday. I never been to Sunday school or or even Hebrew school. So I do sometimes forget that like there are people and I have had friends who like just, they hated going to church on Sunday. They were forced to go to church on Sunday. My parents never did that with me, which in one way is good. But then I missed that perspective of when I was an adult, then my parents encouraged me to to learn and so maybe that's the idea the perspective i'm taking which is you know that's how i did it so yeah. that's how that's how it worked for me and that's a suggestion but i i really wasn't grown up as uh, terribly religious and so yeah that kind of idea of having to go to that place that you don't like you know, by the time that happened, when I was an adult, I would just not go again. Right? Oh, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. But would so you again, say that, so just perspective. No, absolutely. Well, would you say, because I'm not referring only to childhood, of course, with extremist of course, of course. inculcation. I'm wondering, of course, as a Scientologist, for example, how long were you a staff member? I forgot. Uh, well, I was in the church for three years, but I was a staff member during the last year. Okay, so for one. How far down yeah. that, how far down that rabbit hole do you think, would you say you went before you snapped out of it? Well, um, I was, you know, I, I started staff in May 2007 in Berlin. I left in February 2008, and then I went to the San Francisco org, and I was there for about two and a half months. And I was told by the uh, class eight uh, case supervisor um, that I was not qualified for staff. And that really pissed me off because I had already been a staff member in Berlin for nine months and I worked the full full time schedule. And I went through a lot of physical 
uh, challenges. I went through a lot of mental challenges, you know, didn't sleep, didn't eat, um, had a lot of, again, physical ailments uh, with my back, with a lot. So it really, I really got angry and I had, I have had anger issues for, for sure in the past. It's been mm. uh, trust issues or another thing that came out of that. So mm. I decided to leave before I was actually in Los Angeles. Um, we were probably there, Chris. I don't know. Who knows? You might've been on base at the time, but I left that pack base in May, 2008 and um i was on the rpf uh, at that point so you okay yeah so you wouldn't have seen me i don't know if i would have seen you but we would have been you know and i actually have friends that were on staff at 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 osha uh not osha excuse me uh uh, uh, american st hill is uh, yeah asho asho not osha (laughs) osha is the government thing that's right i forget the acronyms so anyway, I left, I left in May 16th or something like that, 17th of that year. When I came back, I had pretty much committed that I wasn't going to go back at all. And it did take quite a few months. I'd say at least six months, if not more, to really decompress and get out of that headspace because mm-hmm. I felt a lot of guilt. And I, of course, I was getting Sea Org members and other staff members who were calling me all the time trying to get me back into the org and stuff, but I really had committed to, to stop going. Um, but it wasn't, again, it was like, I know maybe, and listen, I, I, I fully get it. Chris, you grew up in the church. You were there for over 20 years, almost 30 years. Sea Org member. I certainly don't have that credibility. Oh no, no, no. You know, I was, I was in for three. I was mostly a public staff, but Regardless, it still was very traumatic, especially coming out of Scientology, feeling that something bad was going to happen to me, yeah. that I would that I would be I was a you know piece of crap. And I another thing that always got to me was um, commitments. They really got me in my ruin on you can't commit to anything. And so that was going through my head. I can't commit. I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to be successful. I'm going to die of cancer. I'm going to do that. It was just this constant voice of just negativity. And that lasted a long time. Thankfully now, you know, as you know, as time goes on, it does help that you are detached from those negative, you know, patterns. Um, But it took me at least a good six months to a year by the time I started thinking differently. And then as the first year went by, the second year went by. And now I guess it's been, well, since 2008, it's been 14 years, which I can't even believe that it's been 14 years since I've been out and 17 years since I've been in, that's the age of a teenager. You know what I mean? Like that, that to me is wild. Um, but like, it, I agree there, 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 there's, the, there is that decompression time. And I was also oh, yeah. susceptible. I will tell you too. I was susceptible very, very sh- soon after I became a libertarian and that took a, a complete right turn. And eventually I'd be, you know, getting into that ex- very extreme forms of libertarianism to me are just fascism with, you know, with a smile um, and uh, just, just awful stuff. And I saw some of my libertarian friends become Trump supporters and incels and all rights supporters and, wow. you know, just people that don't, that, that believe in, in racist science and transphobic. And I was like, now this is what I've gotten into. Like, holy crap. And I, I went away from that about four or five years ago, but again, yes, definitely that idea that, you know, uh, going from the pendulum swung the other way. 
I had left Scientologists because that was a collectivist ideology, and I went into libertarianism because that was an individualist ideology, and I was so certain I was an individualist, and it was only me. I was the only person that mattered, and it was like, and now I believe in anarcho-capitalism, and I'm debating whether or not trans people should have rights. Like, this is like the thing that was creeping into my head. I'm like, huh? This is not me. And I would say it was 10 years, at least 10 to 12 years, let's say, in a mindset that could be called destructive or cultic or extremist. And so only three of that was Scientology. But what came after was very, very similar, right? Exactly. Almost the same. Well, and, and in a yeah. way, you're proving my, you're, in a way, you're proving my thesis, right? Because yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that you, you, that's, that's that bouncing thing that we yeah. talk about, right? And people see this. They notice this, right? You go from one cult to another, this kind of thing. Of course, you know, lots of people accuse other people of that over stupid disagreements, and that's really not okay in the comments section, guys, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you never yeah. left the cult, you know, this Very kind of crap, true. right? Not helpful. Um, but, uh, but true, right? True, uh, that that can happen. And it certainly did happen with me, and I've described exactly yeah. why, right? You described, uh, Mark, you just described it with yourself, right? Is that until we come to realize that it's not what we're thinking about, but it's yeah. how we're thinking about it. Yeah. That's what I'm harping about right now, right? It's mm -hmm. not the belief. It's how we adopt and think about beliefs and yeah. how we think for ourselves what is dedication, loyalty, faith, and belief? What what does that mean to me? Because everybody's going to have a different answer. Yeah, depending on how you were raised, how you think about these things, how you how much you've read about them, you know, education, etc. So we're all going to have slightly different views of this, and so we're all trying to fulfill our own responsibilities or expectations of, you know, what how should I think? What should I think? And we don't necessarily think, we think about the what a lot more than the how, I guess is what I'm mm -hmm. trying to stress right yeah. now. And I harp on the how. It's like, and I think you do too, because what you were just talking about, mm -hmm. right? It's like, well, get a wider view, have a more moderated view of things, realize that everything is on a spectrum, <laughs> you know, and that there are shades of gray in everything. And there are no blacks and whites here. That's not, that's not how the real world works. It's how our minds work though. And we can confuse those things, right? We can think this totality mm -hmm. of belief we have is a real thing and it's not, it's just in our head. But what, you know, when you, right. when you have the habit of thinking about things that way, you'll tend to be extreme about all kinds of stuff that really, and, and extremism in general is not good for you. No matter what the topic mm -hmm. or subject or area. And the reason why extremism is not good for you, in case you're wondering, no, I should be dedicated. I should be fanatical about <laughs> these things. I'm a fan of this and this and this. And fan means fanatic. I, fanatic, you know, yeah. I should be a fanatic. <laughs> it's good to be a fanatic. I should be all in. And I go, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> You yeah. always need to keep one foot outside that door a little bit because that's the only thing that anchors you to other possibilities and mm -hmm. other answers. And believe me, there is no belief set. There is no religion. There is no faith yeah. in anything or anybody 
that is going to answer every question, satisfy every yeah. need, and fulfill every emotional demand that you have. It just doesn't mm-hmm. exist that way, you know? Yeah. And, and that's where we can all, as human beings, we can really lose the plot by thinking that somebody or some group or something is going to be everything for us. And then mm-hmm. once we adopt that idea, we start taking these, we start making very weird ideas that this is actually going to be everything for everybody. Yeah. And everybody mm-hmm. needs this, right? And that's the Scientology <laughs> clear the planet thing yeah. or the Islamic jihad thing or the yep. Christian nationalist thing. Yeah. Right, which we see so much of these days because people are so riled up because they are so on a on you know a razor's edge of their of their anxiety and their own personal survival and their fam- family survival that they've just they just like gone to these extreme extreme ends. Right. So anyway, so there's some commentary on that. What do you think? Well, I think I think again, I think it's absolutely true. I think. That when it comes to yeah, the how and not the why or the what is very important. And I do, you know, when I when I about a year and a half ago, and I've I've had a I guess a tepid, uh, you know, I've gone to certain meetup groups with these with these um, uh, online with these particular groups that I had once had an affiliation, but it's basically been about a year and a half since I I've stopped at least regular affiliation and. I'm only tepidly, you know, dipping my foot in once every few months. Um, And I haven't in many months. But the conclusion that I've come to is that I'm actually happy for that these group exists for the people that find some kind of comfort piece in those groups, whereas not everyone is going to. And so... If it's not for me, that's totally okay, because even the groups that I go to now are not for everybody either. And I have to acknowledge that. And as long as we can acknowledge that, um, at some level, whether again, whether or not we're talking about capital T objective truth or small t subjective truth, when we talk about certain experiences that we have with groups, we're talking about the small t. We're talking about subjective. And for me, the subjective experiences that I had with those with those particular groups were not for me. There are groups out there that are better fitted for me. And I've come to that conclusion. I'm not fighting it anymore. I'm not getting into fights anymore. I'm not getting yelled at anymore. Uh, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not um calling out people that I think are saying things that are demeaning or whatever. And so the conflict has kind of resolved itself. And so that means it wasn't for me. And so the groups that I'm in are not going to be for some other people. And what I do like about um, any group is that particular groups that, again, are more liberal and more moderate, they tend not to be actively proselytizing all people to get in. They're confident enough that if they're you're welcome in and if you want to be here, great. If you don't, then something else will work for you. Because in the end, there, although, again, there is an aspect of religions and some religions that make these large, grandizing capital T truth statements, really what I've learned from religious humanism is that there is a part of our subjective human experience that some people just really like religious rituals and traditions and celebrating things that are religious and other people like the secular side. And that's really, 
to go back on humanism, that's really the divide. And so for me, there are certain cultural events, there are certain religious events, there are certain aspects of the of, of, of life within the you know the Jewish culture and the Jewish faith that I like. And so I do them, but I'm not out there with the sign telling people you're going to hell because that's not that's not a thing, right? So um, the whole thing is at the end, yes, there are engrandizing capital T truths that some religions try to assert. But in the end, whether something works for you or doesn't work for you is based on subjectiveness. And it's okay. Like it's, it's okay if you think that you found the truth, but then it's making you miserable and you don't want to be there and you're making other people miserable. That might mean that it's not for you and so there will be other situations and groups that's out for you that you might find are better and just by looking at them and having those experiences then you can find the ones that fit you more and i would just say i didn't fit in i fit in better with other groups that's it <laughs> you, well, know, you know i wish a, i wish i i actually want to underline and kind of yeah. boldface what you were just talking about there with yeah. that because that's really a very very matured view of, you know, what you experienced, because you had, yeah. you basically ran into some, you know, some pretty antagonistic and harsh experiences with, with some, um, with some secular atheist groups, you know, or a group yep. there. And I wanted, to, and I don't, we, we don't need to get into all the specifics of that only, sure. to, I want to point yeah. out that the, 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 the thing I was so, you know, impressed with hearing from you just now is that not all groups are for everybody, right? And yeah. uh, and not everybody is for everybody. And just because you go to a group and a couple people rub you the wrong way doesn't make that group a cult. Yeah. And that's yeah, and, exactly. I, and I want to you know kind of underline that because that's really important because you could have come out of that experience and you and I have had conversations even a year mm -hmm. or two ago. You know, is this a cult? What's going on here? These people, yeah, they're right. so extreme, right? And they're so angry yeah. and they're so upset. And every time I try to tell them to, you know, maybe moderate their tone or calm down a little bit, it just makes it worse, right? They're just like, they're yeah. so angry. And and I and we've talked here today about why that is. That anger is, right. you know, it needs to be dealt with, but it's not going to be dealt with in that form, in that format, yeah. right? That's not how you do that. But it, lacking resources, lacking awareness of, of therapy or psychology and stuff, people, or just not being able to get the resources they need. You know, they don't have the mm. money for it. They don't have the time for it. They can't find a good psychologist or therapist. Yeah. You know, they do support groups, but the support groups are done from a particular point of view and it's untrained as you ran into. And so maybe yeah. it's helpful. Maybe it's not. I'll tell you, it's better than nothing. I'm not. I'm not in any yeah, way yeah. suggesting don't go be part of those things or don't try to help each other out. But sure. sometimes some people need deeper levels of help, and so <laughs> us poor schleps come walking <laughs> in the door, thinking we need our, we have our own needs and our yeah, own expectations yeah. of what this community is going to be like or what these people are going to be like. And we yeah. run into some person who's having a bad day or is just, you know, in a bad way. And we can walk away from that, you know, generalizing and putting too much there, putting too much significance on those quote unquote bad apples, 
let's say, yeah. right? These people that just rub you the wrong way. They're not necessarily <laughs> nefarious, malicious, evil. It's not like that. It's just, you, they just rub you the wrong way, you know? And they're not on the same, they're not at the same place you are. And so, you know, I've seen this here in Denver at the Secular Hub. We have all kinds there. We've got old people, young people, <laughs> men, women, kids. So there's a wide range uh, for me to have seen over the years here. And, and you see some people who are, you know, this is, they're just set in their ways. This is how it is. And I'm not going to argue. And this is the, just, you know, there is no God. And everybody who thinks there's religion is true is an idiot. And they're all insane yeah. and they're morons. And you just go, God damn, dude, I just don't see it that way. Well, you're part of the problem. And you just go, okay. Tell you what, you you have your social circle. I'll go have mine, right? And right, just right. and and the point I guess I'm trying to make here is just because such individuals exist in a group, don't paint the entire group with mm-hmm. that. You know, we need to we need this is part of that differentiation process here, and sure. this is this is why I will say that the Catholic Church as a whole, the Christians yeah. as a whole, the Evangelicals as a whole. Or the atheists as a whole, right? Or the humanists as a whole. They're not cults. That's not that's not what these groups are, yeah. right? They are philosoph- yeah. philosophical approaches, uh, sure. you know, to existence and to our our place in the world and all of that. That's what they are. And you're going to have such a wide spectrum of experience and and people in those groups that you will definitely, definitely, without any question whatsoever run into culty behavior yeah not the same as is the group as a whole a destructive culture. that's right yeah for, for example you know i i know that you've you have steve hassett and you know a lot about him he you know he talks about constructive groups benign groups and then destructive groups so you and i have obviously destructive groups uh, experience yeah. i would say it it's many of the groups that you probably encounter have a spectrum between constructive and benign. So even groups that are just kind of benign, you know, maybe they're not constructive, but they're not destructive, right? There's a middle there. So you can run into groups that are also different within a, within a similar umbrella. So it is completely possible. Never been to the Secular Hub in Denver. I think I, you know, like to go for meetings or whatever one day in the future. But that could be a totally different experience. Maybe what I experience was more benign according to me maybe the secular hub is more constructive who knows maybe that's also just subjective and according to another person there's going to be different viewpoints but again we know what destructive looks like and i know that it's not that um but i do know that there definitely again are people as you've mentioned whom for whatever reason there just needs to be some reconciliation of their past, and I'm not denying their trauma. I can't do that because I have had trauma, as you did in Scientology. We know what it's about. I imagine that if I grew up in a, in a very traumatic uh, Christian household, whatever household it was, that I would have similar beliefs. So I don't want to ignore that or dismiss that because, believe me, and I'm sure you've had the same, people dismiss Scientology beliefs all the time. Yeah, I know you've talked about this. Oh, well, were you stupid? Why did you, you know, whatever. So I don't want to do that. But I do think that sometimes there are just people in certain groups that do also push people away yes. who may assert themselves in leadership positions that yes. necessarily 
might be better without them. But then again, they're in those positions. You don't have any say. And, you know, again, I'll say I'm, I'm, a, I'm an ends results person. You know, I'm an ends person. So the end goal for me is I'm not getting yelled at. Um, I'm not being told that I'm telling people that they're stupid, which is weird. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I'm just not having as much conflict and that's the end result. And so that to me is good. And the people who are there have their experiences and the people who have messaged me, who have said, I can't stand these people. Uh, what are they doing? I'm going to leave. They're always yelling at me and they've left. Many of them have moved on to different things. Yep. And again, I'm not anti secular groups. I think they are for the people that they are for who have, who take, who take them and get whatever they want out of it. And so obviously I have no power over that. It's not my choice and I can only control what I do, what groups I associate with and not associate with to some extent, but it's for the people who it's there for. And it's not for maybe a lot of people, but that's also okay too. Well, because someone is getting something out of it, you know? Yeah. Let me, I don't know. Well, let me throw this out at you too, right? Because sure, sure. we've we've spent an hour talking around and about, you know, the reasons why some people can sure. be real dicks in the in the humanist <laughs> yeah. atheist world. I mean, let's just be sure. blunt now, right? Like we've talked around that. We definitely understand it. But now right. I think it's time to make another point on this and an mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. one. You know, manners and etiquette are the grease that drive that, that smooth the operation of human relationships. Right. That's why we have them. We did, you know, manners and etiquette are not organic and natural to us. They are very mm-hmm. unnatural. It is that discipline, right, of, of letting the other person speak, of hearing what they say, not just waiting for yourself to talk. It's, it's, the, it's the granting of importance to another person just because they exist. Not necessarily granting that they are right in all things, but granting importance and respect to the fact that they exist. Mm-hmm. That will get you farther than almost anything in this world is if you can actually master doing that, by the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I'm no, and I'm no master at it, <laughs> but at least I know I'm enough to know that. <laughs> um, so when you talk here about people who are very angry, who get into leadership positions, or they are very uh, clicky, or, you know, just kind of dicks, right? There's a very, yeah. very important point that needs to be made. And this is not really made often enough. Although I think it's generally kind of understood. But it's it's kind of one of those unspoken things, and and people tiptoe around it. So let's be let's let's face it head on. Mm-hmm. Just because you have trauma, just because you have a mental illness or a personality disorder or a condition of some yeah. kind, or you've had some really bad shit happen to you, doesn't give you any excuse to be a dick to everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Period right? It just doesn't. Your trauma is your trauma. Your experiences are your experiences. And if they were awful, I will be the first person to understand why you don't feel so great all the time even, right? Why why that sucks for you. 
Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that you get to just lay that off on everybody else and make everyone else as miserable as you are, right? That's not how this works. And and mm-hmm. I and I and I, I you know I was I, I I this is this is hard to talk about, right? Because it's like I have so much compassion and sympathy for people who have been through traumatic things, who have PTSD or complex PTSD or or those symptoms and and struggle with it. I know the struggle. I know how hard it is. I know what it's like to not want to wake up in the morning. I know what it's like to have nightmares, you know, all night long. I know what it's like to be irritable and upset and annoyed with everybody, you know? And I, I mean, I've been there so many times, right? So many of us have. But you got to get over that, too, when you're talking about relating with other people. And if you can't, well, then you need to stay away from other people for a while until you can deal with that. But, yeah. you know, but you but there's that point of like, it's not an excuse to to just treat other people as though they don't mean anything or are not important or don't matter. That's really what it comes down to. I don't mean you have yeah. to agree with everybody else. You have to get along with everybody. You have to even have compassion for everybody. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying yeah. don't be a dick. And <laughs> and we use that. That can be used as an excuse. You can excuse other people's behavior because of that, or you can excuse your own. And I'm kind of drawing a line in the sand, and I'm saying it's not right. So while mm-hmm. I will understand all day long where your anger comes from, how well justified it is, and how you have very legitimate points to make about how religion or philosophy or ideology or whatever did that to you, I, I, I get it. Talk all about it. But manners and etiquette and respect are important. And you mm-hmm. have to treat other people better, right? We really need to do that. And so I, I just wanted to say that really bluntly because, yeah, you know, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I've definitely been on uh, the other, like the other side of that, where you know, you sort of, you feel hurt, and then you want everyone else to be hurt. I've, right. I've done that before many times, right. and uh, that was somewhat of my uh, experience in undergrad, particularly courses, because I just, I didn't get along with a lot of people because. One, one thing that happens with me that I'm learning to, um, which is why I'm a, a sort of away from the Zoom stuff, mm. is uh, I don't know how everyone's sort of out there, how they think. But for me, when I get multiple points of information at once, especially when people are talking, 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 I really want to respond to every single point <laughs> because I think I've got something to say and then I can't. So then it it builds up and up and up and up. And I react very frustrated Mm -hmm. and I react kind of out of anger. And especially if somebody says something that I don't think is right, or I know is not right. And I can be very, I'm very sarcastic. Like, I know sarcasm is your second language too, (laughs) Chris, but like I (laughs) I can be very sarcastic. And (laughs) exactly. Sarcasm is without a doubt the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and, and so on, so on. So yeah, there, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I haven't done that. So, but I, I think of it in a different way, of course, because I'm the one who's trying to relay, which is, I just think I'm questioning people 
which I think is good in a in a in a supposed group where people are supposed to be questioning things. But I maybe I don't know where the line is, and maybe that's another thing. But for me, again, separating myself, not going to certain groups that that give that, uh, and it's not just on Zoom. Um, also, uh, we're finding myself uh, in, in pub nights where you know you gather around a big table and there's one discussion and there's all these people talking and talking over people, and then the things build up in my head, and I I end up getting for whatever reason just a lot more frustrated because. Mm. And I don't know if it's an arrogance. I don't know if it's an arrogance thing. It must just be kind of a processing thing, maybe. But I've sort of separated myself from that. And I'm just kind of like, well, now because I haven't had really that much of those particular, let's, let's say, triggering experiences for more than a year, like, I'm okay with it now. Like, I don't mind. I, I, I do language lessons at language schools and we're in a lecture, lecture seminar type thing, and people are talking and people are doing things. And I find myself more, more able to just not like interrupt this much. And so like when you talk about maybe just letting go and maybe it's just that format is not for you, maybe, maybe it, it ignites something that just isn't your character um, because it's just a format thing and it's, or it's a processing thing and sort of stepping away and just realizing like, is this really what I want to do? Is this really right for me? That's kind of something that I've I've noticed in the past, let's say nine months or so, or maybe a little more than that, where again, you know, there's nothing wrong with the groups per se. I might get might not get along with particular people. I believe those groups have the right to exist like every other group, but some are some something about format or something about the group of people, or if someone comes in, I don't like them. I, I know that they're going to say something antagonistic or whatever. And it sort of gets that reaction. And then you turn into someone who's out of character and then it leads down these, you know, these, these unpleasant kind of, kind of Absolutely. rabbit holes, so to speak. And so anyway, the, the whole point just saying is, you know, sometimes it's okay just to step back and, you know, find whatever else is right for you. And, you know, part of psychology is that there's no, like we know from, from being Scientologists, there's no one size fits all. A good, right. good therapist, a good psychiatrist, a good, a good counselor is going to make sure that they, that their, their method of therapy and their method of whatever you need is tailor made to you and not to everybody, not even to the, another patient they're seeing right after you, right before you, because you are, you are your own person. You have your own experiences. And so, you know, that, that's also part of it where some people maybe, maybe they want to be there. Maybe they want, they really want it and they're forcing it. And that can be just as negative too, because it's like trying to, you know, fit a, a square, square peg into a, into a round hole. It's not going to work. Exactly. <laughs> so that's exactly. okay too. Right. <laughs> well, I want to reinforce that with a little story of my own because I've, sure. I've experienced the exact same kind of thing and the, and the calm that comes from disconnecting from it. And specifically here, yeah. I'm talking about the drama club that can exist in X communities right? Um, it can be amazing. But what you find over time, and it took me years to figure this out, is it tends to be a small number of people who continually generate the most noise. It is absolutely stupefying to watch over time. Yeah. 
uh, I'm talking here about Facebook groups, for example, or, you know, social media groups. I've run into it on Twitter to a degree, but much more so on Facebook. And what I was running into is you have various groups that are formed in order to talk about, you know, you got Leah Remini and the Aftermath group, and you got the ex-Scientology kids group, and you have the uh, other ex-Scientology group. You got about 10 of them, right? And, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and various shades of, um, uh, of personality come out in these various groups. And, um, you know, some of the second-gen kids uh, get together and uh, kind of, you know, talk about things that are relevant for them. But sometimes in these groups, and I'm not singling out any one of them because it applies equally to all of them, is you have these drama kings and drama queens, right? These people who live on the drama of the interpersonal conflict that they can either generate, comment on, uh, critique, you know, whatever, right? Or be part of in some fashion. And that is where they operate. That is what gives them meaning. And it's just a personality type. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, But what I can say is that I and anybody and lots of other people can get sucked into that vortex because it's, it's, it's alarming. It's interesting. And wait a minute, what, you know, they're talking about, they're talking shit about other people or they're talking trash about somebody you like or somebody you don't like. And, you know, they, it appeals to you or you want to fight them or whatever, but it's a con- the My point is not the specifics of what they talk about. It's the fact that they're always talking about some conflict yeah, and, and yeah. fomenting it, generating it, working it, massaging it. And you just go, holy cow. After a while, you start seeing the same names over and over and over again. They will draw different allies to them and then and then mm-hmm. screw them over, right? And then be friends with them again. And and you and you kind of learn these, there's little concentric circles of influence. And and this is just stuff I pay attention to because of the nature of what I do. Maybe other people don't watch this stuff as closely, but I think we all know about drama kings and drama queens. Right? We all run into this. Mm-hmm. And I can't, as I was just making the whole point about, you know, one or two bad apples doesn't ruin the whole bunch or shouldn't serve to ruin the whole bunch. I think these drama components, these drama kings and queens also shouldn't serve to ruin the entire X experience because it's always Mm -hmm. a minority. I've seen it in the JW world, the Mormon world, and the Scientology Mm -hmm. world. All three, I have seen this happen. Um, and I just wanted to comment on it because, because uh, we can again go too broad with that. Oh, the, you know those guys ruin everything. Well, I found it very helpful <laughs> to just start unfollowing and ejecting myself out yeah. of those areas. And I've learned that exactly. is, and once you do that, once you start surgically cutting off certain individuals or certain groups or certain pages on social media or however it occurs in your life, stop going to the pub. If it's down at the pub, right? Whatever it is, eject from it for a while. You know, you always have the freedom to go back. And I was Mm -hmm. so, it was such an education for me to, Eject out of social media, 
go get my education because the whole time I was getting my education, I pretty much wasn't on social media that much. I was all my time was very much redirected to learning and writing and stuff like that. And then I went back to one of those groups. Yeah. I won't say which one, but I went back <laughs> to one of those groups. And within three days, the drama was starting again. I was getting reeled into it. I had people insulting me. And I was like, wow. You know, you get away from it for a while. And of course, with my field of study, you know, I, I kind of recognize extremist behavior right away. And mm -hmm. here it was being demonstrated right by other former members of my own group because of their, again, I can understand the individuals involved and the reasons why they would do that. But I can also understand why I don't want to have anything to do with it. Because it's, right. not, it's not constructive or productive or useful for me to be part of that. I'm not that guy who wants to do that. So I ejected right back out of it again, and I didn't look back. And I only throw that out there as an example of you have choices you can make with who you connect with, what groups you connect with, how you go about doing this. And and I guess getting back to the sort of the, the central theme of what we're talking about today whether it's a Scientology group, which is inherently a destructive cult, an ex-Scientology yeah. group, the, the ex, sorry, the ex-Scientology group is not a destructive cult, but Scientology is. Yeah. You know, when you're going to, in other words, when you're going to deal with groups that have members or people in it who came out of extremist headspaces, you can expect and predict some more extremist behavior, even if... Yep. The group itself is humanist, is, 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 is the apple pie club. I mean, it doesn't really <laughs> matter what the group is. People are people, and you can run into toxic behavior anywhere. And I guess that's my long story to demonstrate that short point. And you have the power to eject out of that and, and, and never forget that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, I also feel sometimes, too, at least I know, um, sometimes there's a guilt that's associate, uh, associated with disconnecting because part of you thinks, well, I should be strong enough to take this criticism yes. or to take these things. That's why and I of course, for so like, long. <laughs> and then you feel, and you feel bad because then you're like, what are you, a snowflake? Yes. Are you too sensitive? Yes. Like, yes. just do, just deal with it. And then you're thinking, yeah, but I'm like devoting a quarter of my day and the mentality and it's keep coming back. And that's not healthy. No. So it doesn't matter how tough you are or a man. You know, you know, this the manly thing to do is to do. You know what? If it if you're holding a grudge and you just can't get the fuck over it, just just take a step back. Like, no, who cares? Like, right. you know what I mean? It's not like you're gonna be ultimately judged for that thing. Well, well I'll you tell know, you, Krista, I'll, I, you know, I'll, you know. I'll, I'll tell you what, is here's the here's the awful thing about this that you just yeah have to come to accept and i don't know maybe this is more of a thing for me because i'm a semi-public figure or some shit but yeah, yeah. i had to get over myself a little bit yeah and realize yeah. that not everybody was gonna like me and i wasn't gonna get along with everybody no this was a real problem for me yeah. i this was a big problem for me is i really wanted to get along with everybody 
And, yeah. and it was a big day for me when it really hit me between the eyes that that is my problem. Yeah, that's I, that's not that's just there's just no truth to that. I, you're not going to get along with everybody. And there are people out there who are going to absolutely hate you just because you wear glasses, just because oh, you're yeah. white, just because you're a guy, just because this, yeah. that, the other thing, things you can't do anything about. Obviously, this is one of the lessons we're all supposed to learn as we grow and mature, but we have to learn it over and over again. And I certainly had to. And, and, but, but it was a lot of freedom to learn that because then when you're not chasing that approval, chasing that admiration, then you can let it go. And you just go, oh yeah, there's people out there who are just going to hate me and there's just nothing I can do about it. And you know what? I don't care because I look at all these other people over here who I get along with great. Yeah. Why am I chasing you heard, these guys? You know, have you heard Chris of the saying that you are not in control of your own reputation? Yeah, there you go. Because yeah. it doesn't matter. We, we can't. And I say that too. I say, you know, even before someone opens their mouth, people will not like you. Even before you say a word, right. you may, we're petty. Human beings are incredibly <laughs> petty people. Okay. And superficial. So you're right. It could be that you remind the person of someone in the past that they don't like. That's that's the reason why a lot of people don't they're standoffish with certain people because they remind them of someone from their past or you look a certain way. Well, I'm tall. Like I'm a very tall person. There's a lot of people that are very intimidated by tall people. Now, I don't think I'm an intimidating person. I find it so weird when people cower away and they you know, get scared, but then I have to think to myself well, maybe they had a bad experience with someone who was tall and they're projecting it with me or something, sure, right? Yeah. You have to take that that next step. But listen, we're petty. <laughs> That's how politics works. All, all Every dictator that has ever existed, every cult leader that has ever existed is petty. Look at L. Ron Hubbard and all of his pettiness, the things he liked and the things he didn't like, being rippled through Scientologists, all based on experiences, all based on his pettiness. It's just, it is what it is. What can, what can we do about it? We have right. to accept it. We, we can be in control of some things. You know, there's debates on what we are or are not in control of, whether food or exercise, who knows, right? Mm. That's a big philosophical discussion. But we're definitely not in control of our own reputation. So some people, they are going to love you, and some people are going to hate you, and most people are just going to think, meh, they're in the middle. And that's okay too, right? Ten, ten people, one hates you, one loves you, Eight people don't give a shit. So exactly. who cares? Exactly. <laughs> what can exactly. you do? You can't control it. You can't control it. And you got to move, you know, people got to move on with that and just be themselves. And I also figured too, that the more authentic you are as, a, as your own self, you're not, you're not lying to people. You're not being too enthusiastic when you're not an enthusiastic person or whatever, the more people look at the authenticity and especially on YouTube is actually one of the reasons, Chris, why, you know, when you started your channel, I probably got into your videos maybe a year or two after you started your channel. Mm. But I keep coming back because you are a very authentic person. And, you know, I know that some of your views have changed and maybe will in the future. And now you have an education. But on YouTube, you can tell who is and isn't a phony very, very easily. And, okay, sometimes the phonies get popular, sometimes whatever. But at least to me, it's the person that's accountable 
that is upfront with with what they believe in and who they are. And yes, little things are going to change, but it's the authenticity factor, I think, and the and the accountability that makes it much better to come back and and you know watch your videos and watch what you're doing and see the growth in your channel too. And what you've done with your education, you know, which is why I'm both a fan and a friend, which is also something that is really cool to say too, right? Because, right. you know, it's a good, it's a good, good experience being both. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> so, you know, but I do think so. I really do. And, you know, it's, we may also not always agree on everything too, but again, does that matter? We agree on so many issues that overlap that little particulars, who cares, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, well, thank you very much for all that, by the way. Sure. I appreciate that. Um. I think we're going to move toward wrapping up. I think we have had a very good discussion here today about this stuff. Anything else you wanted to make sure we, we threw in here that I missed? Actually, I think we've, we've, we've covered quite a bit. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm very happy with what we've gone through again. Thank you very much for having me back. The first time was about two years ago and, um, uh, we talked and I had a great conversation and, and it was, uh, Posted on Facebook, had a lot of great responses. So let's do that again. And I'm going to share this with all my friends. And um, yeah, thank you again. Really, really, really thank you so much, Chris, for having me on. Absolutely, Mark. Thanks for sharing your views. I really, really appreciate your time. (laughs) And I think we've talked about some important stuff here. I mean, your experiences are are valid and useful and uh, hopefully educational for people. And that's, that's, you know, of course, what we're trying to do here. So... Folks out there, thank you very much for uh, following us all the way through the podcast here. I hope you found this educational and informative and maybe a little bit entertaining. And uh, maybe you'll support the channel as a result. And uh, maybe Patreon, Patreon. That's right. Patreon, Patreon. And maybe hit that subscribe button. I don't know. Maybe share this around. (laughs) All right, folks. I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.